You are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Radiant Culture. I'm Cookie Monster. And I'm Biscuit. And today we have a very, very, very exciting topic. Today we're talking about the church and politics. And in particular, we're going to be talking about whether Christians should get involved in, in the political process. Yeah. And so to help us do that today, we have two wonderful, wonderful guests. Uh, firstly, we have the resident theologian, Kuwaza. How's it going? Hey, how's it? How are you doing? I think we actually need to start developing an intro for this. <laughs> the resident theologian going in and Cool, good to have you, man. How's it going? I'm well. How are you doing? Yeah, I like your shirt. Thank you. It's kind of cool. His shirt says Kutonga Kwaro Gamba. And it's got Jesus on it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We'll talk about that. Yeah, because okay. we don't want to talk politics. <laughs> We're talking politics today, so I guess it kind of applies. Um, and then we have a lovely lady with us, Fazi. Uh, what I'm actually going to ask Fazi to do is just to tell us a bit about herself, who she is, where she's coming from, <laughs> what she's what? about. <laughs> and I know Fazi really needs no introduction, to be honest, but I, I still want her to introduce herself. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm Fazi. A uh, young Zimbabwean woman uh, aspiring for freedom, fairness, and opportunity. Um, I love to arrange flowers. I love being in court. I love driving fast cars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what all this is about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we like you already. <laughs> I like fashion. I like fitness. I like food. Um, I, I'm really about living my best life, and you know, doing what I can to impact the world. Yes, you were not expecting that. Were you, you expecting no. to hear "Vote Fuzzy, aspiring <laughs> candidate, Mount Pleasant constituency? But no. Yeah, yeah. That I think works. that's me in a nutshell. We like her, don't we? <laughs> we like her. Like flowers and fast cars. I mean, what, what can't go wrong with that? Yeah, and mm. I like the whole yellow thing. You know, oh, it's just, it's, it's so dope. Thank um, you. You know, if, if you are in, in Zim and, and you've been in Zim for, for the past two years or so, um, you definitely know who Fadzi is. And I, I, I respect the work that she's doing, the stance she's taken, and just... The guts she's demonstrated, you know, just in doing what, what she's doing now. So, vote fuzzy. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, so today um, we want to talk about this because it's a really important topic, and especially for young people, um, <clears throat> Christians and politics, right? The first question I want to ask is what place does the church actually play? In, in politics. Aren't those two um, facets of life like diametrically opposed? Are, are, are they not, you know what I'm saying? Like when you think of yeah. politics, you're thinking of, you know, all the dirty stuff. That's, mm-hmm. 
that's usually the picture that comes to mind. It's it's all the tricks and games and especially here. And uh, yeah, like I said, the, the dirty stuff. And the church is supposed to portray <laughs> holiness and God's purity and, and all those other aspects of God. And so the question that I actually have is, do those two meet anyway? And they're two very different things. So maybe we can start it there. Yeah. And I don't know who wants to go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, one of the, the most amazing things of this journey, which I must say was accidental. You know, there was a time that I had decided to, you know, go on a very conservative path, you know, end up as a judge, really not get involved in the political frame. But anyway, you know, I'm here now. And on this journey, I've also had occasion to explore my Christianity as well, to ask myself, some of the deep questions, you know, around my beliefs, my value system, um, my moral compass, because I do think that there's a very important intersection between what I believe as a Christian and what I believe in my politics. Um, the word, I think, says that, you know, we're not of this world, but we're in this world. Right. So I think as Christians, the starting point has to be we cannot treat politics as a disease. I think that's a big mistake. Uh -huh. You know, Christians are in the forefront. Men of God, women of God are in the forefront, you know, of praying for the nation, asking God to raise all sorts. But the minute one of their young people says, you know, I'm getting into politics, the entire church frowns upon them, right. which is a huge contradiction in terms. I think, you know, the church really has to have the courage of its convictions and say that, look, you know, we want God to raise a generation and we are that generation. We're going to be the change that we're praying for, the change that we're asking God to raise. You know, we're going to uh, be fearless. You know, we have to be completely uh, genuine when we say that. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yeah. He's given us a spirit of power. Yeah. You know, power is not just in fasting, chilling at church and, you know, having 10 biscuits after, after the service. <laughs> power means power. Yeah. Power has to extend to political power hmm. and a sound mind. So the manner in which we go about using this political power is a sound one. So, you know, I really look forward to the day, you know, where when Christians in Zimbabwe mm -hmm. embrace politics and, you know, what we're meant to do is we are the salt of the earth. We're right. the light of the world. And, you know, the word of God tells us as Christians that, look, if you've got light, did you put it under a table? No. Yeah. You know, you put it where everyone can see. So it's not about us sitting in our closet and saying, this is what I believe. These are my, this is my politics. You know, you absolutely have to go out there and say, you know what? X, Y, Z is wrong, is inconsistent with our value system as Christians. And we right. have to be bold and courageous as we do it. And we've got, the, the Bible is replete with examples of people who've done it from the Davids, the Josephs, the Esthers, the Deborahs. Yeah. You know, I could go on. So, wow. I mean, obviously, this is not church. I'm not preaching. But, you know, I do want us to get to a point as Christians. And it seems like we're not quite there yet yeah. where we... You know, we we align our beliefs with our conduct. Uh, I, and I, I I like the the passion with which you are explaining this. And Kowaza, I I would like you to to just uh, give us a, a perspective here, which is um, she <clears throat> Fazi Fazi has highlighted several biblical characters that were actively involved in the politics of the day, right? Yes. 
and were able to do amazing things for God. So maybe you can uh, help us understand it from that point of view as well, you know, from, from a biblical perspective that what, what's that all about? Why did God need to have these people who were actively involved in shaping the politics of the day when he could have just done it himself, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. You know, look, <clears throat> I think just to come back to something you asked earlier on about whether the church should be involved in politics. Uh, what I find from uh, my very limited experience um, of church life is that you find that uh, there's a, that what uh, uh, alluded to about the tension between the kingdom, I mean, being in the world and not of it. Yeah. You know, um, churches that don't have a kingdom theology, you know, that are thinking about church and how church should be done are usually very you know, parochial in their approach to life in general and very mm -hmm. limited. And so if, you have, if you're going to go into that uh, space, you're going to have to have a kingdom theology. The kingdom of God is supposed to cover every facet of life. Mm -hmm. And so there's room for politics, uh, Christians in politics. There's not room for them. It's actually an imperative for Christians to be in there. However, coming back to why maybe Christians may frown upon it a little bit, it maybe comes down to the context in which we have come through. Uh, Christians in Zimbabwe, because of the environment that's obtained for the past 37 years, have found it to be a place where, you know, here politics is a dirty game. If you're in there, you're compromised in some way. And if you come back to the Bible, there are all these wonderful characters, yes, but then there are other guys that are not so great as well. There's these 400 prophets, mm -hmm. and they were, you know, godly prophets, but they were eating at the table of Jezebel, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time to consult prophets, uh, Jehoshaphat said, should we go up against this army? And then he said, can we consult the prophets of God? And 400 of them came forward, and they all together said, God will give you victory. God will give you victory. And then Jehoshaphat said, I'm not really sure about this. Can't we find someone else somewhere who can come and give us the word of the Lord? And they got this guy called Micaiah to come in. Um, and Ahab was like, this guy never says anything nice about me. And then he prophesied something that was contrary. And he said, actually, there's a lying spirit that was put in the mouth of the prophets to prophesy what they're prophesying so that you can go into the battle and die there. So what you get out of that is that those that were part of the system who were eating at Jezebel's table, were compromised by the system mm -hmm. and began to speak in concert oh, wow. with the system. And so it's possible if you're eating at the table, it's very much a possibility. And we've seen this in our mm -hmm. nation where people have come up and prophesied mm -hmm. and said that someone is going to rule for the rest of their lives, only for a week later, that person to no longer be in power. So you're, you're going to be compromised in the word that you're going to speak. And the church is supposed to be a prophetic voice. Right. Uh, you know, in the nation, a prophetic voice to the leaders. Mm. And if you're compromising that way, you're supposed to be prophesying to Ahab what he needs to hear. You're going to speak what, what Ahab wants to hear, not what he needs to. Mm. And so there's that danger as well. And that's why perhaps Christians feel, you know, I don't want to get in there and get dirty and, you know, I don't want to get compromised in my voice. But then, as I said earlier on, and as, you know, Fazi so eloquently put it, you know, that there are other voices that, you know, came through that were not compromised, that spoke truth to power. You had the Elijah's prophesying boldly at, you know, at the risk of their lives, saying, Ahab, what you're doing is not on. But at the same time, you also had those 400 prophets. And so that's that push and pull tension. We don't want to be part of the 400 prophets. So some say, I don't want to be that. I'll stay away from politics because I'll end up getting sucked in and I don't want to be one of Jezebel's people, you know? And then there's those, but no, come on, we can be the Elijah's, okay? We can be the Elisha's speaking truth to power. Right. And so I think that's where that tension comes from. And resolving it is where, you know, the, uh, the, the issue arises. 
Okay, coming from what you're saying and the examples that you've used, um, I, I'm thinking maybe uh, someone listening might want to think that, all right, look, uh, if you stay within it, you spoke about power, Fadzi, and how we, we ought to use this power. But this sounds like the power inevitably corrupts, or this is what people are afraid of, that it will inevitably corrupt someone. And the examples that you're using are of people maybe speaking to that power, but not necessarily acting in the office of that power. So then my question becomes, should then Christians actively take office in that regard and use the power which may corrupt them? Or should they be like the examples you've mentioned and speak to the power, be advised to the power? Because most of the biblical examples are people being spoken to by men of God, not necessarily the men of God taking the office itself. Well, Though you could argue that there are examples where the, the kings themselves are men of God, in a way, yes. Well, I'm, so, I'm just a Bible-believing Christian, yeah. so, you know, but I will say this, um, that everybody's got a different calling. So in the church, there will be some people who are called to speak to the men of God. And then, you know, there will be those people who God has genuinely called to do certain things within the nation, uh, certain things within their various professions. So first and foremost, before you're a politician, before you're a lawyer, before you're any of those things, you are a Christian. Right. And so it's about you aligning yourself with God's purpose for your life. It will never be uniform for everyone. Everybody's got their own calling on their life mm -hmm. so you know i as fadzi feel called to be a politician right mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean other people in the church are not called to speak truth even to me to help me keep me on the straight and narrow and help right. keep you know other people mm -hmm. so it's not uniform well you know the body of christ has many parts etc um in addition to that you say you know might you be corrupted you know you don't have to get into politics to get corrupted, true, right? True. Before everything, like I said, you're a Christian. The word of God requires you to die daily. Yeah. Okay, so as you go through your journey as a politician, as a lawyer, just as a Christian, someone who's trying to live a Christ-like life, you know, God doesn't demand perfection from us. If anything, mm -hmm. our righteousness is like filthy rags before him. He doesn't right. want us to be like Pharisees. But what he wants us to have is a broken, a contrite spirit. You know, as David did, someone who's willing to to learn, willing to be humble enough, uh -huh. to be accountable, willing to, you know, when the man of God then says, you know, but Fadzi, I believe you should pull back here. Fadzi, I think you should do this. Fadzi, I think over here you you overstepped. You know, being a politician, being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. You're going to make mistakes you're going right. to misstep you're going to misspeak but i think the difference when you're a christian is in the fact that you're able to you know go back to to god and say god forgive me you know right. god break me mold me make me you know it's about building character there is a process you know aspect towards this entire journey if you look at joseph yeah. you know strong man of god not not you know, yeah. not perfect, but he went through all these things because God was building him. David, far from perfect, anything but perfect, but God calls him a man after his own heart. So being in politics as a Christian even doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but what it means is that you will live by godly principles. Yeah. You know, you will always go back to God and you'll have that, you know, spirit of discernment within you that will tell you, Fadzi Apa, you know, uh -huh. yeah. stop. Fadzi Apa, you know, the word of God says he'll give you utterance, you know, giving you what to speak, the wisdom, what to say, how to say it, how to step, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
Trust not in your own understanding and yeah. all your ways. Acknowledge the Lord. He will direct your paths. Mm-hmm. So I think the difference with a Christian is that you've got that moral co- compass in the word. You've uh-huh. got the moral compass in the company you keep. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you go back to church every week, every you know couple of times a week, you get cleansed, you get purified, you hear the word, you become a better person, and then you're better equipped to serve. But the danger is that if the church says... Fadzi, we don't do politics and makes right. me a pariah. Where is Fadzi then meant to get her replenishment as a young politician? Yeah. Because there are things that I'm learning yeah. on a daily basis. Right. I can know the law, but there's certain strength of character things that I'll need. And I'll need that from some sort of spiritual basis. I'll need to, you know, go back into the word, go back into worship, go back to the man of God with some of the bigger questions that I have. And so the church needs to be ready to embrace me. They need to pray for me that I've got strength. You know, I love it when the church stops sometimes and says, look, this is not a question of partisan politics, because as Christians, we can agree on baseline values. Whether you're liberal, you're you're, you're conservative, whether you're MDC, you're ZANU-PF, we can agree on truth. We can agree on the absence of corruption. We can agree on you know, a basic value system that the right. word guides us on. You know, other political ideologies may be yours to choose because God has given us dominion. He's not going to come down and give us an economic blueprint and say, run with that. He's given us, you know, a brain and mind to to navigate that ourselves. But the basic value system, which I think what is lacking in our political leadership, he gives to everyone. It should be uniform to everyone. So it's not an excuse for churches to say, you know, we don't do partisan politics, so we don't touch politics. Right. No, be be able to say, look, Fadzi, ah, Papa, you know, mm-hmm. Wakaba Mari, which I would never do, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was wrong. <laughs> I, love, I love the passion. I love the passion. And um, quick follow-up question to that, and uh, j- just with, with what you're talking about, is I've noticed that the church mm-hmm. focuses a lot on, you know, we talk a lot about influence within the church, right? That God wants to raise up people to become missionaries or to become um, business people. And we have conferences, like business conferences. I think yeah. almost every church has a business mm-hmm. conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the question that I'm, I'm asking, just think about what Fadzi is saying right now, is how come we don't have politics conferences in yeah. church? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Where, yeah. where we're training people to, to become good politicians. Because yeah. these are... It's, it's such a, a key um, function in, in society, right? And we need good people with good hearts, people that want God's will to be done through the political process. But then the question is, how come the church is concentrating on everything else and ignoring that, okay. right? And, you know, maybe as someone who's actually in church leadership, Kuwaza, you can, you can help us with that. that what, what, what's up with that? Is it because the church is scared? Is it because we're not woke? What was the <laughs> What, what's the story there? Okay. I also want to know. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't have all the answers. Just put it out there, disclaimer. <laughs> but um, in my, okay, what I'm finding more and more is, I think uh, a lot of people, and that's pastors, leaders uh, you know, included, anything that they don't, they don't find in the word expressed, you know, like right there, like politics is there, you know, or democracy is there, or human rights, they probably are going to shun it because they can't find something that they can take to their, you know, to their church easily and say, this is what the word of God says kind of have to then go and work with the Daniels and the Josephs and so on and look for social justice passages and run the risk of being uh, accused of taking a passage out of context. So I, I'll say because it's not so easily relatable, um, uh-huh. that's one thing. Also, a lot of the people that are, in, uh, that are ministers aren't politically minded. You know, mm. The idea is, 
you know, go and make disciples of all men, you know, and making disciples means making sure that people write, you know, read the Bibles, making sure that people pray and people go out and evangelize, share their faith. People are giving generously to the church, uh, you know, that people are being good people generally, being nice, being courteous on the road, don't cut anyone off, you know, and that, and that sort of thing, paying your taxes. So when now talk about making disciples, you know, that's what you're looking at. People then don't think about making disciples uh, being about helping people to fulfill their calling. Okay, so what have you been called to do? Uh, oh, okay, you've been called to, into politics. Great. How can we help you fulfill your calling? Right. That's not how a lot of uh, you know leadership or ministers think. We have a blueprint. This is what a Christian should look like. Follow how a Christian should look like. And they try to talk you out of the political. Yes, because <laughs> that's going to probably lead you in I'm, their I'm own actually, way, yeah. way of thinking. And I'm just saying from what I've experienced. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm, as I said, I'm not giving the general, like everybody's way of handling things. But then politics are going to take you away from being a good disciple because then you're going to have to say some things about someone that are not so nice, okay? So, you, you know, you're probably going to have to sling mud or they're going to have mud taken at you and how you're going to respond and all that kind of thing. We, we you know, we just rather not risk that. So why not find something safe, you know, something that, you know, you feel like, we as your leaders can have a good conscience. Oh, they're, so they're, you're a banker. Oh, great. You're a lawyer. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Are you paying your time? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, no, in business, again, there's an issue of self-preservation mm -hmm. in there, if I can be honest. Because um, the people that are in business are going to bring money to the church mm -hmm. uh -huh. and they're going to drive the programs mm -hmm. of the church. You know, and so, the, you know, you can't run away from it. It's, very, it's a very difficult point not to make, uh, but it's true. But yeah. politics... You are going to bring us more problems than anything else. <laughs> In quotes. I mean, that's how people probably think. Yeah, then you have to, you know, when you're, you know, then you are the man of God. You have to defend your congregant for saying something or a tweet that she put out or he put out, you know. And, you know, what do you think, man of God? Is this consistent with... I actually saw one, one pastor who's actually now very politically active. And he was being questioned about someone who was like a member of his church who's also very politically active and had some stuff out on Twitter that was clearly not biblical or in line. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that a Christian should be saying, you know. But of course, we understand someone is growing. And, but people out there, they don't understand that. They say, you're a Christian, very judgmental. You know, you're a Christian, you should be doing better. We expect better of you. And he had to defend, you know, that tweet. And sometimes maybe pastors are like, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this. I just want something easy. So I would imagine those are some of, you know, the barriers that you find. Yeah, um, I have two questions on that. The second yeah. For both. The first one for you, Fad. Sure. Um, I, you smirked slightly <laughs> at uh, the inference of some, some um, uh, maybe statements or things people said to you to dissuade you from taking their path. I'm curious to know what those were, if you can say. <laughs> <laughs> you just tell us what they say, what, um, what, what were the things they were trying to say. And then the second, oh no, maybe we can get on to the second one after that. So I think first and foremost, I remember probably when it first came to light was, you see, when everything's going well and people are praising you, it's okay. You know, the church is actually good. Ah, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the minute you get arrested uh -huh. and you're now in court, not as a lawyer, but as an accused person, and now the church has to come in and literally, you know, the pastor's praying as, you know, the prosecutor's <laughs> yeah. going, your mom is also there with her Bible, <laughs> crying as well. And the prosecutor leads evidence, the defense lawyer leads evidence, and she starts crying. And, you know, elders are there, um, you know, members of the congregation are also there in support. 
you know, that's when you hear, you know, why are you putting your parents through this? Uh-huh. You know, why, why would you bring such shame upon them? You know, it starts there. Then it goes on, you know, after you get out of jail, you know, you've learned your lesson now. Surely you're going to stop and, you know, come back onto the straight, straight and narrow. Just do the nice corporate law type things that you used to do and stay there. And then you you keep going, you keep going. They think, ah, she's going to get tired, she's going to get tired. And they also pray along those lines, God, please <laughs> yeah. deal with her. Silence. So, you know, because, you know, people do yeah. pray like yeah. that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and then they <laughs> see, no, 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 things are getting quote unquote worse for them. But, you know, I, I say I'm becoming bolder and bolder because that's what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. The same people who are saying, look, this is dangerous are the same people that come on Sunday and say, like I've said, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fear not, all yeah. that sort of thing. But then the first thing that they're showing you when they try and stop you is fear. And I'm like, hang on, do you mean it when you read these verses or are you just doing it for mm-hmm. fun? If you mean it, then allow me. Because the word of God says that when you go through the fire, I'll be there with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he speaks of raising a standard. I, and the thing is, and I think the beauty of it is that they were unable to point to anything that I had done wrong. So it's different if, you know, you've run off with someone's husband or you've stolen money or whatever. All I'm saying is, for example, bond notes are bad, which we all know. <laughs> As a church, everyone's going to suffer the same fate and, you know, but people are, are reluctant. And then I remember when the announcement was made, I... I purposely didn't tell anyone at church. I didn't even tell my parents until after the announcement for good reason. Mm -hmm. And what you don't know is that my parents are also pastors in the church. Telling them though, but then after, after the announcement was made, I went home. It was just after home group. And then I was with my siblings and I was like, Oh, we've got something to tell you. First tell my mom downstairs. She starts crying. God, why have you forsaken me? Why? <laughs> Why have you forsaken me? Then she's like, oh, what's up, And then we go upstairs, we tell my dad, my dad's like, you know, dad, you know, this is dangerous, politics is dirty, yeah. you know, you're too young, you're a woman, get married first. You didn't even tell the pastor, you know, there's no, none of, you know, no God in this, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I'll never forget <laughs> I'll never forget, and you know, I'm so indebted to my older brother. His name is Taffy. Um, After my parents had said everything they had to say is, you know what, Joseph, his brothers told him, you're an idiot. His mom and dad said, what the hell are you saying? But he had a dream. Right. And God was with him and he pursued his conviction. And he's like, you know what, Fads, if you've got a dream, what I encourage you, you know, continue to move in accordance with the purpose and the calling that God has on, on your life. And I've held on to that for the longest. And, you know, now everyone's happy because <laughs> what's guided the campaign at every stage are values and principles that even though not always expressly stated as coming from the Bible, derive therefrom, you know, at every moment when we're sort of, you know, when I need to be accountable, there are people there that remind me constantly Uh of the values. And so you never go wrong 
Yeah. And I and, and I think that, you know, if it's God's purpose for you, if anything, the church should be a place where, you know, that seed is fertilized and it grows. And, you know, I was very grateful, you know, at church some months ago, you know, the pastor in worship, in the middle of worship, the spirit, you know, led him to just say, look, let's pray for Fuzzy. You know, God, you know, God bless you and keep you. Wow. So... May his uh, may he make his face shine upon you. May he give you peace and you know very strong prayers. We're right behind you. We're with you. And so you know the wow. beauty of it is that when it is God's purpose for you, people do come round. Mm -hmm. The world does tend to adjust. And the thing is, when these things are God given and God led, they don't go away. So it's not as though you can just shake it off and say, okay, <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore because it's you, you're internally driven. And you know what I would wish for the Zimbabwean church of the future is whenever someone, a young person comes and feels that they've got that calling in their life, you know, the church really gathers around and if anything prays for right. that person and says, you know, God give them wisdom, God protect them. Psalm 91, you know, make sure they're safe. And right. you know, God, God is an amazing God. And he lets every man be a lie and let God be true. So I think that's the story in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's quite a quite a journey, <laughs> quite a background. Um, you mentioned something interesting in that, and that would lead me into my other question, uh, which was, I guess, uh, accountability. So, Christians, if if we're to be involved in politics, I guess that's where voting comes into it, and that, in its sense, is choosing your leaders and also giving you the right to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. So now the Christian. Uh, the, the politician who has gone in may be publicly declared there of uh, a Christian faith or whatever faith, but let's say Christian in our case here. Now, to what degree or what way or what measure should the public or maybe the congregants or whoever hold them accountable? What measure should they be using? Because they've declared this higher standard of Christianity. Should that be used to... Okay, so that's a very interesting question. And I'll just come back to what I said earlier, that before you're a politician, you're a Christian. So regardless of whether or not someone is in politics, the standard to which they should live their life, even if you are a lawyer, a doctor, a cleaning lady, is the exact same standard as that which I'd expect of, you know, Fads, if she were to ever become president, which she won't. Okay, so... <laughs> I think the deciding factor is not whether or not they're in politics, but as Christians, what standards do we hold ourselves to? So if you sit on a board, you know, a, a corporate board, we don't expect corruption from you. Even if you're not in politics, that doesn't change when someone is in politics. You know, there's certain language we expect out of a Christian. That doesn't change. That standard does not become higher or lower now that they're in politics. That said, that said, you know, like I, you know, politicians, even pastors, we're all human beings. Yeah. We're all human at the end of the day. And I, and I love the example of David because he was an fallible human being. You are going to make mistakes. Okay. But, you know, I think the word of God again gives you a sanctuary in that, you know, you go back to Christ. Lord, help me navigate this. Lord, forgive me for this. I misspoke. You die daily. You know, you don't now say I'm a Christian politician. I'm going to pontificate at everyone. I'm going to, you know, slam the Bible in everyone's face. That's not how you win, you know, 
people over, even when you're evangelizing from the church. So I think the, the best advice that I've ever been given is to lead a Christ-like life. You can't go onto a podium as a politician and say, by the way, I'm a Christian politician. People must look at the way you carry yourself, look at the way you speak, look at the way, you know, the depth of your intellect, the, the manner in which you interact with people, regardless of their, their status, their stature, and say, you know, what is it about this person? Right. Remember, the first Christians were not called uh, as such by themselves. It's other people that said, gosh, these are people that are like Christ and hence uh -huh. yeah. the name derived. And that's how it should be with politicians. You don't go out there saying, you know, and I'm so Christian and I'm so perfect. No, but do everything that you can to live by godly principles and always come back and say, what would Jesus do? Right. What does the word command me to do in this circumstance? And even when you fall short, you know, you go and confess it's that simple. Go back and don't tire of seeking counsel when you need it. You know, go yeah. to the man of God and say, look, I've got this very complicated issue. Or, you know, tomorrow, and I do it even now, you know, I've got a big court case. I will go and say, you know, of course I've read the law and whatever, but, you know, sometimes when you've got the blessing of God over your life, when yeah. you go out into the world and deliver, there's some mm. things you've got that radiance. Right. <laughs> that comes from the glory of right. God. And that's what we want to project. That's the light we want to project into the world. That's how we want to vaccinate, you know, the political culture. And I say vaccinate because, you know, I don't think God envisages that everyone has to be a Christian, every single person. But, you know, we as the light then start to disinfect all the other bad things. And as far as possible, then become, you know, something of a standard or a model over which the world can be like, you know what, it's better for us to get more Christians in office. That's um, good. Yeah. So I think our very last question um, is just concerning church leaders themselves, mm. right? what should they be encouraging their congregations to do? Uh, because <clears throat> church leaders obviously have a lot of influence. And to be fair, um, I haven't, I personally haven't seen a lot of um, involvement by church leadership in, in the whole political process. If anything, there's been, there's been a lot of, a lot of passivity, right? So I, I'd like to hear from, I think from you, Fadzi in particular, that what, what would you encourage um, church leaders to do? We know that, the former president was very vocal about church having nothing to do with, with politics, right? Um, but my, my question is really that, that what, what would you either maybe encourage church leaders to do or even instruct, right? That what, what would you like to see um, church leaders do to, to help someone like you in this, in this whole process? So firstly, um, I think church leaders should be bold enough to go there as in to have these discussions but you you approach it from a very biblical perspective and like i said earlier it doesn't matter which party you come from even if you're apolitical there's certain values that should guide us uh -huh. so i think you know it's about encouraging you know congregants to get involved to participate but to then show them the values that should help them mm -hmm. and guide them in making these decisions. So you don't necessarily say, you know, I'm your man of God, vote X, vote FUDS. You don't necessarily have to go that far. But you have to say that, look, we want a political space that's free of X, Y, Z vices because they're unbiblical. Uh -huh. Second of all is to, to offer spiritual support 
to the young, even the old, who are in or seeking political office. Right. You know, don't treat them like lepers. Uh-huh. You, if yeah. anything, you have to literally bring that person close because you never know what God has yeah. called them to do. And trust me, your disdain for what they're doing is never going to stop God uh-huh. from working in their life. Wow, that's good. So if anything, you want to get involved as their pastor. Remember, I mean, obviously the Lord is my shepherd, but, you know, God does give us shepherds in the form right. of our pastors to help shepherd our souls. Yeah. So you absolutely have to shepherd Fadzi's soul as she walks through this political journey because she's going to have certain spiritual needs that are unique uh-huh. to her calling. And it's your responsibility as the man of God to go and draw and ask God, God, what am I going to give to this young woman who's Uh been called in this way? Mm. What word am I giving her of Mm. encouragement? What verse should I draw from? What example, what teaching should I lay upon her life today to help her navigate this path? If Fadzi is not spiritually edified, it's your responsibility. It's your fault as the man of God because God has entrusted Fadzi's soul, Fadzi's life with you. Mm. The third thing that I would... um, ask is, you know, as as the church in Zimbabwe, we really have to come back to first principle. Uh-huh. And this now transcends the political discussion. There's certain values that have to be non-negotiable. You know, you can't be a church, profess to be Christian, and you get the land upon which you build by some corrupt deal. Uh-huh. You cannot do that. Mm-hmm. You cannot take the proceeds of corruption in your church. You have to be bold enough to take very strong stands Mm. against unrighteous conduct within the church because that's where it all becomes, Mm -hmm. uh, where it all comes from. Because, you know, politics consists of people. Yeah. So if the people are right, the politics will be right. And most Zimbabweans go to church. So if we're saying corrupt politicians, if Fadzi becomes corrupt out there, remember Fadzi goes to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. There's something that the church is not doing, is not being honest with Fadzi about. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Mm. God's will comes to pass, Fadzi's in power. The word of God remains true. Mm -hmm. Fadzi has to be held to account. And, you know, I'm, I'm a purist about certain things. I'm a purist about democratic principles. I'm also a purist around some, well, around biblical values. Right. You know, the truth is the truth regardless. It doesn't, you don't have a watered down version of the Uh truth. You know, love your neighbor, like I said, is not love your, your political friend. It's love everyone. Yeah you know, with the same. So all those things are things that, you know, the man of God should not be afraid because he now, you know, ex-person Sean Kudafadzi is now a minister. I can't tell her the truth. I'm now the one who's actually going to her office and saying, chef, no, 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 no. no. Yeah. Yeah. That person remains subject to the word of God. And that's how we ensure that we've got leaders who are accountable. Remember at all times as the man of God, as the church, the woman of God, you're the custodian of this person's soul. No matter how high Fudzi goes up in political office, mind you, she might just lose the election. (laughs) But it doesn't matter where she goes. At the end of the day, what we want is to preserve her soul. Because our our, our time on this earth is limited. What we want at the end of the day is for Fudzi's salvation to be guaranteed. So... Never forget first principle and then, you know, continue to nurture and shepherd. Don't be afraid to shepherd someone who's chosen a political path. If anything, ask God to give you 
to equip you because sometimes you actually think, gosh, this is new territory. Yeah. You know, I've never actually had to deal with a minister in my church. I've never had to deal with a judge, but you absolutely have to ask God, God equip me with the word to give this person. It's easy to give, you know, Christians who go to business and whatever, whatever, you know, you've got a word ready for them, mm-hmm. but you have to ask God, you know, God, how do I now get into this territory? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Fadzi. Uh, the, the question that I quickly that I quickly want to ask is regarding the Christian, the, the I guess the ordinary Christian, if I can call them that, the whole voting process, right? And this brings us to to democracy. One of the questions, one of the discussions, rather that I that I've heard is things like, well, God is in control anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So why should I vote? Yeah, God's will is gonna be done at the end of the day. Yeah, there's there's those kinds of mindsets that are there. So the question I want to ask now is for the Christian, <clears throat> is it actually necessary for someone who believes in God to go and vote or should they just pray okay. for God's for God's will to be done? Okay. Right. Uh, and how, how does that all how, how does that all pan out? That's the first question. And yeah. I, I want you to tackle these. And I, I guess both of you can. Yeah. Uh, and this kind of ties into the question about democracy <clears throat> that um, is democracy itself. Biblical, okay, right? Does God at the end of the day just choose who He wants to lead, <laughs> right? Or do do we get to decide? Do do we play a part in it? Okay, yeah. Right. Well, look, those are the questions that uh, you know you'll find a lot of the uh, back and forth. But I'll, I will try to be as faithful to the Bible as I possibly can from the knowledge I have of the Word of God. Firstly, should we vote uh, or should we pray? The Bible doesn't say anything about voting. Doesn't say you should vote, doesn't say you shouldn't vote, doesn't say it's a sin to vote or a sin not to vote. Because when you see the Bible, the Bible was written in a time when you had an imperial kind of uh, leadership structure or maybe uh, like a monarchy as close. You know, so it talks about the emperor, it talks about the king, you know, uh, submit yourself to that. And so there's no democracy there. What the guy says is law, basically. Um, so that's the setting that the Bible was written in. Now we have democracy where people get to vote. The Bible doesn't have anything to say directly to that, as far as I know. I think let me say that. Um, that said, uh, we can understand from the life of Paul how he would say things like, I'm a Roman citizen, you know, whenever, and that gave him access to Caesar Give to be able to, to, yeah, to, to preach the gospel uh, to Caesar because right. of his Roman citizenship. And so I believe he's given us a pattern in that we can use what this world gives us in terms of if, we're, if you're a citizen, the rights that you have. And you can use that right to uh, m- you know, m- motivate for the word of God or for the kingdom of God to be extended. If you have a vote, you can vote in such a way as to reflect the values and the principles you believe that are in the word of God and that reflect your own values. You can participate in that way. As I've said already, there's no law against it or no scripture against it or for it. But as 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, you know, in everything you do, whether you eat or drink, give glory to God. Uh, and Colossians 3.17 says, uh, you know, whatever you do, whether in name or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the idea is, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm voting or I'm not voting, what's the motivation? Am I doing it to give glory to God? Um, and will the choice I am making be my expression of that? Will the choice that I, on the ballot that I make and I go and then I vote, this is who I'm voting for and I'm doing this so that God may be glorified. That's the question, you know, to ask and to right. answer. Yeah. And the second part was the question had to do with 
um, with God being democracy, democracy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, democracy. I said once, um, democracy. Remember, it's people governing themselves. And the earliest form of it you find is in Genesis chapter three, when man shuns the word of God and says, "Now we're going to do what we want to do." God said, "You know, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil." Uh, man says, "No, we're going to do that. That's bunkum. We're going to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, whatever the case, you know." And that was the first form of democracy, man governing himself. And you see various, you know, various iterations of that as you go on. You see it in Genesis 11 where the people say, let's make a name for ourselves and build a tower that goes up all the way to heaven. You know, it's a people-driven initiative that is independent of God's will. God said, go and spread out. They said, no, we don't want to be spread out. We're just going to build a tower to heaven and go as far as we want. You see that again in 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 8 where the people are crying out for a king. And they say, we want a king for ourselves. And God says, here's the king that you have chosen for yourselves. I haven't chosen him, you have chosen him yourself. So a lot of the time you find that when you find democratic, and then Jesus ran away from a time when people wanted to make him king because he had fed them 5,000 you know, loaves. You know, 5,000 people had been fed loaves and 12 baskets left over and people wanted to make him king. And he shunned that. So you find a lot of the time that democracy, because it's a man-made system, is a system that produces imperfect uh, solutions or imperfect outcomes. And the final end of any democratic system is the glorification of man and what he wants. So if you look at the most advanced democratic systems in the West, you find that they are moving further and further away from what the word of God teaches and the standard that is, you know, the word of God. So you have, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage. Uh, you have uh, no longer praying in schools and Bible being taught in schools. You find that any system that is mature is running away from what God wants, and we see this throughout the scriptures again. You know, man shuns God and says, I am God unto myself. So that's democracy. Uh, but within that system, God raises people who will, uh, you know, uh, he will use to bring about his purposes. We see that with Daniel. He's living in Babylon. People who don't worship him, people who don't know God, he raises up Daniel to a very high place. Right. And through Daniel's interaction with the leaders, he, you know, brings about his values and superimposes them. For example, when he says, can we not have this food that defiles us? And then says, for 10 days, we're going to eat veggies only. And then after 10 days, they, you know, he looked healthier and, you know, and his friends, they looked healthier than everybody else. And then all the food was taken away and then everyone was on veggies and water. And what you see in that is the value system of Daniel was basically, you know, as I said, superimposed on his culture right. because of how they saw the example in his life. Wow, you look better than everybody else okay, we're taking away this cultural thing, that thing that we've done all, all along, our food. We're replacing it with different food. And that's uh -huh. what happens. Christians can be raised by God. You've got the Wilberforces who come in. They believe something about slave, slavery being wrong. They go out there. They, they take a stand. And in the middle of that democratic system, using that man-made scenario, which is bound to go in the direction of not glorifying God, God finds a man who glorifies him. Uh, awesome. and slavery is abolished. And again, so many examples that you find throughout history. So in a nutshell, democracy in its uh, origination isn't from God, it's from man, it's to glorify man. But in the midst of it, God can raise people um, to glorify him and to bring about his purposes uh, you know, through the system. Wow, and I think that's been the pattern that we see um, throughout the Bible, where God is working through his people in imperfect systems. Mm -hmm. Um, due to time, we're going we're gonna to have to bring this to a close. But what I would like us to do, or rather what, what I'd like for our guests to do, is just to give us some, some closing uh, remarks or some parting thoughts. 
uh, mainly for, for our listeners, because I, I really want, especially the, the, the Christian, particularly the young Christian, right, who may be uh, confused about this whole topic, or maybe it's somebody who's been thinking about um, their calling and they do feel drawn towards politics or something like that, right? I, I, I want us to may, maybe speak to that. Uh, you guys have already addressed a lot of things, and I, and I, and I wish we had more time because there's, there's, there's a whole lot more to talk about. But maybe just as we draw it to a close for you guys to, to just speak to that. So I think first and foremost, to any person who's, you know, contemplating, you know, a move into politics, I would say, like I have said repeatedly, you know, uh, on the show that before you are a politician, you are a Christian. That's not going to change for better or worse when you become a politician. So in the way, same way that you'd respond to a calling to be a doctor, a man of God, a lawyer, is the same way you should respond to that uh, call. <coughs> Uh, I also urge upon you, if you can find someone who can, you know, uh, mentor you, a business coach, yeah. a, a pastor, whatever it is, to help you uh, be accountable over the journey and also to help you with some very tough questions. Uh, you know, so many, so many, so much uncharted territory uh, yeah. arises when you're walking a political or any journey, really. I mean, the word of God doesn't tell us about um, courtrooms in the sense that we know today, but you know, you have to navigate that. And, and the way I reconcile it is to always go back to that verse that said, you're not, you're not of this world, but you're in the world. So you yeah. have to navigate it somehow. And then you draw again from biblical principles. God's original plan is that he's given man dominion. Right. So let's never forget that, that that's God's original will, but that dominion is subject to, and has to be exercised with God's, you know, command. So if God says, do not touch that, you exercise your dominion, but you, you know, do so in accordance with his laws. Yeah. So, I mean, God is never going to come down, unfortunately, you know, in a big fat gray cloud <laughs> and say, your leader, your MP is now fuzzy. It's not going to happen like that. There is a worldly system that we have to operate in. Right. And I think what we have to do at all times is be guided by uh, biblical principles as we do that and also use our own, you know, God gave us five senses, depth of intellect for a reason for us to use it, to use it for his glory, service to the community, to love our neighbor, all those basic things. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal people's taxes. If you love your neighbor, <laughs> you're not going to treat people right. in an unjust manner. If yeah. you love your neighbor, you're going to, you know, try and, uh, you know, attain as much opportunity for as many people. If you love your neighbor, you're going to treat them as equal. So all these principles really you know, ought to be value-driven. We then say constitution, we then say all these things, but really, you as an individual, particularly as a Christian, have to hold yourself to all these values. Um, I'd also like to say that, you know, just on this debate, do you vote, do you not vote? You know, I know in the Bible, when Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, mm -hmm. again, you know, when, you know, the question of tax was raised because yeah. it's not something that God had directly spoken on. I wish, and there I will be wish laws Jesus like that. Said something different. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, oh, you know, you're a Christian, you don't have to pay your taxes. No, you have to. But I think, you know, you can extrapolate that sort of a principle and say, you know, there is a legal system that governs us yeah. as people and we're subject to it and we operate there. And when God says, you know, I choose uh, the leaders, leaders come from God and so on. 
I mean, it would be an absurd outcome if that were to exclude Christians. Right. If God is going to select worldly people to run the things of the world. And you know, the Lord's Prayer says, um, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. So I just cannot see how God helped me. You know, he would then envisage his will to be ungodly people running the nation. And but that's just my own personal journey. Uh-huh. That's how, you know, God has spoken to me personally. The revelation might come in a different way for other people. So, you know, what I'd encourage you to do also, you know, as Christians, the word of God says, you know, that the children of darkness are more shrewd than the children of the light. While you're busy fasting and praying, people are developing all sorts of ideologies. People are getting involved in the politics. And then it's all a mess and you've got Sodom and Gomorrah and you're like, oh my God, what do we do now? And yet you could have been sitting in parliament creating the laws that govern the people one way or the other. Whether you like it or not, gay marriage is something that comes from the law. Right. So if you're not going to be in parliament and you're going to be praying about it, I'm sorry, you're way more effective in parliament debating whatever it is whatever outcome it is that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be, it it just doesn't sound effective to me that God would say, you pray for 40 days while I use some other vessel that's of the world to go and debate the laws. You know, it it, it just can't, you know, God says so many things about justice in his word. And we have to, we have to think about those, the law, all those things, you know, let's, I mean, let's be thinking Christians as well. Let's be shrewd about it. Yeah, Yeah, I think those are my parting words. (laughs) Yeah, look, um, uh, it's great, great stuff to talk about. And it's one of those topical things, you know, uh, in a year, I mean, we're getting ready to go to the polls. These are questions that we have to ask and answer. And I'm glad for some of the things that have come through, um, definitely. Um, I would say that as a church, we need to grapple more with these issues mm. and understand um and i think give more support to those that are in there yeah um my personal persuasion is that um god puts people in place to achieve the dominion uh that he has given us through christ um and which is his kingdom to extend over everything and he puts people in place to make that happen it's yeah. not just a space that you know just will be occupied you know, um, by anything or anyone else, but just the Christians coming through and saying, in this space, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. In this space, I'm going to take over this for the sake of Christ mm-hmm. and the kingdom, you know, uh, be brought to bear. As, you know, as examples I've given already, uh, as you see with Daniel, as you see with Esther, you know, as you see with so many of the guys, it's the kingdom of God coming into every domain and politics is one of them. And, we, you know, any domain that we as Christians will not be involved in is a domain that we're effectively giving over to the enemy. Um, However, I would say, yes, there's a lot more that we need to do in terms of discussion. We don't have a lot of time, of course, with the elections coming up, but there's a lot of discussion to be had to say how can we most effectively uh, participate and also support those that are in there. Uh, And also, I think it would be great to keep on getting feedback from guys like Fuzzy to find out some of their challenges because, again, this is an area where, you know, a lot of us are not participating so we're not really you know we're not the ones going and having our you know our mother say you know why are you doing this or crying at you know and they've gone to court for this kind of thing you know we're not you know generally experiencing that be great to hear back from them and you know to apply the wisdom that god has given through his word and through the counsel of his spirit to you know support and to also continue to be engaged to 
keep hearing back from you know uh, from guys like Fadzi to say how can we actually participate? How can we get in there? We are concerned about getting our hands dirty, but help us, you yeah. know, because you've been there, done that. And I think if we listen as much as we, you know, they have listened for many years as well from those that are in leadership. We also need to listen and hear from them exactly yeah. what we can do. And, you know, the last thing, sorry, the last, last thing <laughs> okay. I'll say is... The absolutely very last thing. <laughs> we, at the end of the day, are Christians. You know, everything must be done prayerfully. And we must always pray. And all things pray without ceasing. You know, mm-hmm. at every turn, you must be praying and hearing from God, seeking his guidance. But we must never, ever you know, make prayer an excuse for inaction. Mm. The word of God says that faith without action is dead. So you cannot just pray and then hope by some miracle you'll get a salary in the bank. You're going to actually have to get, you know, out of the house, go to work, you know, study, do whatever it is that's required in the worldly system. So, you know, let's always pray. Let's always seek God's guidance. It's always just, you know, like David did, go back to, to Christ with, you know, a contrite, broken spirit, humility in all things, you know, as we ask him to continue to guide us, let his will be done. And his will, quite frankly, is not for us to live in poverty, with injustice, with corruption. Um, And also he says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, there's a part where God says, I'm not actually going to foist my will on you, but if this is what you want for Zimbabwe, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart because you've delighted in me. So, you know, let's also be a little bit more, for lack of a better word, I'm a, I'm a lay person, um, adventurous with the word of God. Let's take God to task with his word. God, you said this. Yeah. I'm riding on this as I go out on the campaign trail. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just been educated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm challenged. I'm, I, I feel very challenged right now because um, on Radiant Culture, we're, we're always uh, going on and on about people thinking for themselves. And that's one of the things we want to encourage people to do, for us to be thinking Christians, right? And for us to, to grapple with these issues and, and really think through them. But I think, you know, today there's just a whole new dynamic that, um, that, that, that you guys have brought that I, I think is important, which challenges both the Christian and church leadership as well, because we do kind of skirt around these issues and try to pretend like they're not there. But the reality is that it's it's topical and it's really important for where our nation is at at the moment. So so thank you for that. This was really good. Yeah. 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 And thank you very much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you've also made me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank, thank you guys thing. for coming. Thank you. Fazi, cool waza. It's been good. I think we should do this again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a good idea. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think there's a lot more we haven't yet uh, yeah. gotten on to. Barely <laughs> scratched the surface. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, but for today, we're going to end it here. I'm your host, Cookie Monster. I'm the Biscuit. Yeah, man. And we're out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.